0: everyone, and welcome to The Art of Podcasting, Episode 7, Maintaining Your Community, recorded April 1st, 2012, and brought to you by Element OP Productions, elementop.com. This week, we're going to talk about uh, turning your podcast, a radio show, essentially, into a community, a group of passionate and loyal followers. And... uh, With me to do that this week is uh, the full compliment of hosts this week, uh, beginning with Mr. James Messer.
1: Hey, James, what's up? Howdy, and thank you so much again. So nice to see you, and I understand that today is someone's birthday.
0: I'm sure today is lots
1: of people's birthdays. Historically, several thousand
0: people are born every day.
1: Remarkably, statistics actually put him in the room. (laughs) Happy birthday to you,
0: Mark. Thank you, thank you. Today is, in fact my birthday it's also the birthday of podcasting for me our first show was released on april 1st 2010 no so kidding this is our two-year anniversary of my first podcast very nice congratulations thank wow. you thank you and also with us this week uh, back again after his absence is mr steve cherubino of of uh, podnuts.com fame hey steve hello it's good to be back
2: Good to have I you. Back. I missed you guys, and I don't know what to believe anymore on this day. I don't know if it's really your birthday or if it's really the first day you ever started podcasting because it's <laughs> April Fool's Good Day.
0: Point. Well, I can I can assure you, after forty years of bad uh, jokes on my birthday, mm. I don't do April Fool's jokes. <laughs> so you can take everything I say today seriously. Okay. Yeah, That's I, fair enough. I always say that my parents were expecting a human child. April Fools, this Sasquatch <laughs> of a man comes out. They got a podcaster. Yeah. Funny. Um, so those of you watching the live stream, uh, we'll see that uh, I am in new surroundings this week. The PodPod Pod nice. 2.0, the new studio, is in fact 97% complete. I was going to say complete. Oh. It's not entirely complete. There's still a little work to be done. Can you uh, tell us like a little bit about what comprises it and what are the, what's the circular pattern yeah, above absolutely. your head there? I will do just that. Uh, so uh, I made this as a semi- portable structure, the idea being that when, when I move out of this house, I will take it with me, and rather than, or if, if for some reason I, I decide to build a whole room sometime later, this is in my garage. I'm taking up a corner of my garage, and rather than building something permanent, uh, I, I built this out of uh, four by eight panels using plywood, actually four by seven, so it would fit under the garage door, um, and they are... Two sheets of oriented strand board, which is uh, you know that uh, particle board that's got the splinters in it. <laughs> it's not quite it's not quite particle board. It's not quite plywood. It's it's the big chunks oriented strand board. So it's a sheet of that, um, uh, with a two by six frame. Okay, so two inch by six inches, filled with as much insulation as I could stuff in there. Now the people will tell you that if you're going for heat insulation, you don't you don't want to pack insulation down. You want air. For sound insulation, you want mass. So, each one of these walls has about 30 pounds of insulation in it, Jeez. shoved in there, stacked what in ta- there. What tub did tub. you use for insula- insulation? I used uh, just the regular uh, loose-fill attic insulation that you would that you would blow into your attic, but I didn't loosen it up.
1: Ah, so, yes. That's pretty p- t- packed pretty tight. It is. It is. And it, is. it comes out of those little things there.
0: And then to... Uh, to make sure everything stays in place, there's a, a a one inch foam insulation on top of that nailed down. So that way, mm. when I stand the wall up, I don't lose six inches of it to settling, uh-huh. theoretically. So there's uh, there's two two uh, half inch sheets of uh, OSB, the six inches of insulation. Um, well, uh, one 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 sheet of OSB insulation, another sheet of OSB. So it's a a six and a half inch panel total. Mm. That weighs roughly 185 pounds a piece. Wow. Yeah, lots of mass. <clears throat> and then they're attached with eye bolts at the back and then a bolt running through them. So the walls are, are drawn together. Uh, where I live in Texas, the, the ground tends to float a lot. And so foundations don't last. So the idea was that I would, I would bind this, these walls together as a unit so that when the, the ground moved, they would all move together. That's mm. the theory. We'll have to see how that actually lasts. All right. What, are you pumping oxygen into there or what? <laughs> well, um, actually, I do have a hole cut in one of the panels where my portable air conditioner that used to be in with me is on the outside. You can't hear it right now, but it is, in fact, running. I have huh. an air conditioner blowing air in. It is currently 68 degrees in here and quite comfortable at that. 68. 68. Freezing. <laughs> yeah. yes. I, I, I like to be cold. And, uh, you know, I figure on the uh, um, times when I'm not podcasting, I can use it as a meat locker.
2: Uh, so <laughs> it really well. It's like an Applebee's in there. Has you ever been to Applebee?
0: <laughs> They're always freezing? <laughs> oh, yeah. That's funny. <laughs> so uh, once all these panels lock together, and, and the same panels are on the roof too. So it's 10 panels total, um, um, two four-feet sections on the left and <clears> right, and <throat> three across in front of me, and then the roof on top of that, and then I've got a, an actual door and stuff on one of the panels uh, built in. It's, uh, well a man. It's a little it's hobbit what's house. The final cost, um, uh, as I, as I've mentioned before, it's it's only about six and a half feet tall. So when I stand up, I, I bump myself on it. So I, and I'll, I'll answer your question in a minute, Steve. Okay. So um, when I when I got into here, uh, OSB is live. It 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 bounces sound back, which is what you want to do because I didn't want the sound from the outside to come in. So that that's a good thing. But it also means that the sound was bouncing around here like it sounded like a racquetball court. It was really bad. So I went to Walmart and bought those uh, cheap uh, bed mat things that used to be yeah. egg crate. Now they're these weird convoluted patterns. And that's what you see on the ceilings and wall oh, behind me, just I stapled see. to the wall. They're 10 bucks each um, and a full size. One for a full-size bed fits one of these panels just right. So hmm. and I, would, I see you got sanitarium white is the yeah, color. Well, yeah, it's the only color they come in. Yeah, so uh, <laughs> I, I finally have my own white padded room. Uh, so, yeah, and, and that made a tremendous difference. Once I uh, put those things up, it's just dead quiet in here, and uh, it's awesome. And all told, everything together material-wise uh, cost about seven fifty. And then mm-hmm. I paid my brother-in-law to help me build it. I paid him a couple hundred bucks, so it was right under a thousand dollars to get it done. And that was nice. my budget, thousand
2: dollars. It looks and, comf- looks very comfortable. It looks like a little fort. Like a, it's fun. <laughs> yeah. Probably be in there.
0: Uh, I really like it. It's it's um, it's sound insulated and it's uh, heat insulated uh, because the 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 structure I had before, as as I've mentioned, was just uh, a half inch of styrofoam, and it was just enough to kind of keep some air in and keep me from dying. Uh, but you know, in the in the hundred plus degree summer heat, it was really uncomfortable in here. And in the winters, it was pretty uncomfortable too. So this isn't really going to be an issue. But it's also dead quiet, um, and I really like it. it's 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 small. I have a an eight foot table in here, and the the room is ten feet wide. So I've got a foot on either side. There's not a whole lot of room, just enough for me to sit down. But it's it's great. And if you're looking at building. You know, your own studio, this could be inside another room of your house or in your attic, or in my case, in the garage. So it, it
1: works, it works really well. Well, they effectively have those things that you can buy that, that sounds a lot like what you have now built, except you have to pay thousands of yes. dollars. And it's, it's a whole room inside of a room, so to speak, yeah. that they build with all that inside of it.
0: Yeah, I looked at those first. And in fact, yeah. I drew a lot of my inspiration from those, but yeah, they start at uh, seven or 8,000, where wow. it cost me less than 1,000. Nice, well done. I am the tightwad tech. Yes,
1: well, well played. Yes.
0: <laughs>
1: All right, so uh, that's my uh, warm up for the week, James. What do you got? I got a a piece of junk. Not a piece of junk. Yes, it's a piece of junk. I'm not Is happy. A Beringer? Is it a Behringer? No, it's not. Okay. Interestingly enough, it's a uh, hold on. I, as as some of you know, at least five of you know because you listen to my podcast. Um, <laughs> I. I do a podcast with my better half every Saturday, and we're, we fight over or, or I have problems with headphones because I had a splitter coming off of my mixer. So, I went out and got a headphone amp so that I could be like professional and we can this, have our own. What is it, own. Samson? It's a Samson. This okay. is called the S-Phone. It is an 18-inch or 19-inch rack mountable 1U high device headphone mixer. You can have up to four headphones in here. And each one has its own volume and pan, and has even a a, a little bit of an equalizer built into it as well. Wow. I uh, got relatively good ratings. It looks nice. It looks it looks beautiful. Has lots of buttons on it and dials, just like the kind I like. Has uh, lights up, and yeah, you, you don't talk. like
0: simple design.
1: You mm-hmm. want the more complex, the better, right? What is that? It needs lights and it needs flavor. So it's got plenty of inputs and outputs on the front and the back. So it's a it's a nice little system. I thought it'd be architecturally, it was nice when I plugged it in. It was noisy. The last thing you want on a headphone is buzz and hum. And uh, but if you're looking for a device to give you buzz and but hum. But if you're you
0: too, you like rattle and hum.
1: Exactly. You can plug your your anything in, your your guitar, and you would have now the buzz and hum action going on. So this is going back tomorrow
0: well i had a similar experience as i mentioned before i purchased a, a dbx 266 xl noise gate compressor basically. oh yes on, how'd
1: that turn out by, uh,
0: well it's still turning out i uh um when i plugged in it was immediately very noisy uh even with nothing plugged in and then when i plugged something in it got even noisier hmm. uh, so uh i talked with you guys about it both of you said that's not your experience so um i am going with uh on uh, Steve's mantra of better cables, I've ordered some high-end balanced cables. I was using unbalanced cables because it's just what I had at the time. Right. So I will plug those in when they get here tomorrow, and I will see. But I'm guessing I probably just got a bad unit because I've never heard anybody say that the DBX-266XL is a noisy unit. But nah, this I one, think so. This one sounds like... Um, You know, my guitar player friends who like metal, you know, when they, if you've ever been around those guys, their amp, when nothing's plugged into it, it's going (laughs) the whole time. That's what this sounds like. All right. How are you, uh, how are you hooking it up, Mark? Where's it coming uh, from the mixer into the DBX and then back into the mixer? Well, I tried a couple of different ways. Uh, I was running out of, uh, just straight out of my mic into it and then out of it into the board and that didn't work. I tried running through an effects loop and that didn't work. Uh, I tried even just like plugging a set of headphones into the output just so to, you know, to pull everything else out of the loop, and it was still noisy. It was still noisy with nothing plugged in the headphones in the output? Yes. Headphones, just
2: a pair of headphones.
0: That's weird. doesn't bode well.
2: Yeah. Yeah, that doesn't sound good.
0: Um, but what, what kind of noise is it making? Uh, it's just the, the, the static. It sounds like um, an overdriven amp, you know, when you crank an amp up too high and it hisses. That's exactly mm. what it sounds like. So I mean, it could be a bad pot, it could be a loose connection. Um, Where'd you get it, eBay? Yeah, eBay. Okay. So yeah, I hope, I hope that goes
2: well. And I, you know, I would say even with James, try balanced cables on that thing. That's what I would say. I mean, it's got quarter inch inputs on the back, right? Are they balanced? Do you know James or? I don't even know
1: offhand. Well,
2: if I'm telling you guys that solved so many problems by. for me. I've I've gotten tons of noise until I just used balanced cables. And you don't have hmm. to get the best balanced cables. Just get um, any kind of balanced cables. It'll make a huge difference.
0: Yeah, well, stereo headphones is, by definition, balanced. So mm-hmm. it's, it's got to be a balanced system. If you've got headphones in and headphones out, that's balanced. It is? <clears throat> well, I mean, I've never heard of an unbalanced headphone, Jack.
2: So I think it's a little bit of a different technology. Not not technology. The way the, the way the actual uh, routings of the cable, the you know the leads of each tip of the cable is. I don't think it's the same as like a stereo output. It looks exactly the same, I and mean, you could use a stereo cable for it, but it has a different purpose. Right.
0: Well, yeah. It's, it's, well, yeah. But stereo and balanced, in terms of the mechanics, is the same thing. It's a. Okay. It's a TRRS, you know, tip ring ring sleeve. Right. No, tip ring sleeve, yeah. Anyway, yeah. Um. Uh, so that's what I was thinking with his. Because if you're plugging your headphones in, that's a tip ring sleeve. And if you're running a headphone into that, I, I don't see how that could not be balanced. Okay. I mean, tell me if I'm wrong,
2: but that's. I'm not 100%. I'm trying to wrap my wits around it. Can you diagram that out for me and then we'll talk? No. Just <laughs> <laughs> no. Try the balanced cables. I bet you it works for both of you guys. Okay. That's all I have to say about that issue.
0: <laughs> that was a very Forrest Gump of you. That's all I have to say about that.
2: <laughs> and uh, I was just going to, my last thing is, do we have any good April Fool's jokes today? But let's just get, I'd say we just get into the discussion points.
0: Well, Google's got lots of good April Fool's stuff going on. Google has owned April Fool's lately.
1: Yeah, screws up the whole internet for a day. Yeah. The <laughs> they do have the power to be that. online for the entire day. I have no time for this. I have no patience for this. I'm too old for this. Get a get your little jokes out of the way so we can get real things done on the internet like the big boys do. Yeah.
2: Can you imagine if <laughs> they just rerouted everybody's searches to like wrong places
1: as just an April Fool's joke? Like, hor, hor, hor. <laughs> like I don't know. Did a plane crash or not? I don't know. It's fine. Right, right. What what's crazy is some of
0: those things hang around for years. Like a friend of mine sent me one about the the toilet paper networking, yeah, the sewer yeah. networking.
1: Right. Like five years afterward, and said, "Is this real,
0: <laughs> honey? No. Wow. No, it's
1: not. <laughs> Just another good reason not to do this. Yeah. So I'm glad now that I've said that. Of course, next year we'll we'll certainly have stopped all of this.
0: Right. Yeah. Because James said so. Right. The
1: Thanks, professor
0: James. has spoken. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so building your community. Uh, I'm interested to hear what you guys have to say because I'm still at the beginning of this. I still have sort of a fledgling community. James, you have tens of thousands of people in your community, so I'm looking to gaining some uh, good insights from you guys. But uh, uh, the idea here is that uh, a show itself won't, won't make any impact at all. It can be the best show ever, and if all you do is just put that out there, um, it's not going to make an impact. You have to have a community of people around it. You have to have um, listeners. You have to have advocates. You have to have evangelists out there telling people. Because no matter how good your Google foo is, if you just put it out there, people aren't going to know about it. That's my opinion. What do, what do you guys think?
1: Pretty much right on the money. I mean, if you if you start looking at communities, and this is what I did, look at communities online that um, that you like and that appear to be successful and compare it to other places that are just is not picking up and it's not going and it's not doing what you think it it probably could be doing. Um, That's, that's where I get the most amount of interesting ideas. It's just from, from looking at what other people are doing and seeing what's interesting about that. And it's not even necessarily online, even things that are outside of the internet. If you go to, a restaurant, or you go into a store, or you go into any organization, you walk in the door of their physical building, and you're noticing things are different about that place. Those are are learning experiences you can bring back to your community online. Definitely. And I think communities are inevitable. If you have a
2: successful show, and you have people listening to your show, a community is going to form around it, whether you promote it or not, actually. Um, If you don't give a place for a people to come and talk about the show and uh, get together, they're going to make it themselves. I've right, seen no, many companies that yet, yeah. don't provide forums and then you'll find like forums pop up, unofficial forums pop up for that thing. So if you have a successful show and you get listeners, you're going to have a community. The, the good thing about this is having a community is one of the fun, most fun, most beneficial things about podcasting and what you're doing that you probably never expected. But it, it is that is where the joy comes from. It really is.
0: Okay, so uh, what you're saying is the 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 being a part of the community is as much a, a part of the experience as developing the community. Yeah, you,
2: you get feedback from the guys, and you see uh, people in your forums or whatever we, we you set up, which we'll talk about, uh, talking about your shows and, and meeting each other, and you're bringing together people that may have never met in their life for any other reason, and you're bringing people together, and you're. Ha- you're Creating like a whole group of friends for right. these people, and it's just a really warm and fun thing to be part of it's just super enjoyable and um, it was one of the best things that happened to my network that I did not even expect
0: so yeah okay, well, I just uh, jotted down some questions, and maybe you guys will have some more to 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 add to it as we go. but one of the first things that that I noticed is is there's a a trend on both sides of this, very large organizations and very successful entities do it both ways. Uh, so if you have more than one podcast, should you have a website for each podcast or should you have a single website under which they all reside? I have chosen to do the the latter of the two. I have the com where all of my shows live. Steve, I know that you do the same thing. James, you on the other hand have uh, ProfessorMesser.com and podcast.com. Yep. And I know that other people... Uh, do the same thing, and I thought we would discuss the relative merits of each. So, uh, 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 Steve, we'll start with you. Well, I, I don't know. I think that it's a good
2: idea at, that if the subject matter of your several podcasts that you're doing remotely tie into each other, you know, it might be the same target audience for each of the podcasts, or the same, at least, the same field or same type of area. It's nice to have a single home base site with all of your shows on it. My, the theme of my network is tech podcast. We started with computer repair, and it's basically everything is computer-based, if you think about it. We do an Android show. Now, Androids aren't like full-blown computers, but it's a electronics, it's gadget, it's tech. Linux is not uh, the podcast we do about Linux. That's not about fixing computers, but it's about computers, and it, it they're all related. They're all close, somewhat related. So you have a, a target audience that might enjoy all the shows on the network. If I was going to do a podcast about flowers, I probably would not put it on my tech podcast network. So my suggestion is if your shows are similarly related and have somewhat similar bearings to each other, um, I think it's a really good idea to have them all in one place. All
0: right. All right. So James, uh, what is your um, rebuttal, so to speak, for for doing it the other way?
1: Interestingly enough, I do it both ways at the same time. Um, on Professor Messer has been built... With a very specific idea in mind, which is make videos and train the world. That's the primary focus. If you're going to have a mission statement, that's what that is. I hate that term. So it's, that's, that's our goal. It's what we want to be able to do on that website. And I want to focus everybody who comes to that website on those particular things. And on the website, of course, are videos about a-plus certification, network-plus certification, security-plus certification, different topics. So in a way, I, I do sort of, those aren't podcasts per se, but in a way, those are separated out into a, a concentric diversification of topics. All of the topics are very similar to each other and how they're laid out. And I do monthly live study groups, and those are also related back to those certifications. And I try to make sure that that website itself, when someone arrives, that the core piece of what they're getting has to do with that certification learning something new watching those videos and and perhaps improving their career doing what they'd like to do with that when i came up with the idea of let's do another podcast actually this was one from a couple 3 years ago which was the mobile classroom it was a Outside of the certification arm, it was let me show you the new features that are in the latest version of Google Chrome. Let me show you how to recover deleted files from your video camera that you took on vacation. Um, let me show you what happens when you want to do something with uh, editing a picture. You know, those aren't have nothing to do with the certification. So there's the mobile classroom.com that did that. And those were great for a while. And then I stopped doing those just because of time constraints. Recently, I started the podcast, uh, which was What a Week, what a, at Podcast.com. That also has nothing to do with certification, really has nothing to do with technology. It's just going over some news stories, talking about what was interesting during the week, finding things that nobody else had done. So I really thought it deserved to be on a separate domain. So it does not create any type of, of question in people's minds As to what ProfessorMesser.com is, because quite honestly, as we've seen, Professor Messer is really the biggest thing I have there from those three sites. That really is the one where I have the most number of people viewing, watching and doing things. I don't want to dilute that and I don't want to confuse that. So it made sense for me to separate those off.
0: Do you find that you uh, are able to leverage that large community at ProfessorMesser.com for your other stuff?
1: To some degree, yes. Uh, But only in that I have a lot of people that follow me on Facebook. Uh, There are people that uh, are on my Twitter. And if I tweet that I'm going to do a live show of the mobile classroom and you might want to watch, I'll get another couple of folks coming in the door. But generally, those people know that that's all. That's a, a thing about news and its stories. And they're not really talking about certifications. I just won't be interested in that at all. The 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 audience on Professor Messer has already filtered that out. They don't really care that much about the mobile classroom or they don't really care that much about what a week. Uh, they really care more about the the things associated with the Professor Messer. So even though I've got a great mailing list there and a lot of people following, a lot of people I could tweet to, it really doesn't help very much when you're going outside of that realm to get their attention with something that has nothing to do with what they were there to begin with and and i'm I'm sensitive to that. I want to be careful with that. I don't want to spend a lot of tweets talking about, "Oh, look at this great story from what a week and send it to all the people on Professor Messer They'll get you sick and tired of that
0: right.
2: I agree, yeah that's smart. You don't want to like mix audiences and mix messages because then you could upset some of those people right. It's like me seeing a commercial like for I don't know fabric softener <laughs> you know okay. it's like if I put, <laughs> I don't like to do laundry. I have to do, but okay. it's like something like that, or like women's hygiene products, or something like that. You just like you keep putting a message like that in front of my face, I'm just
1: going to be pissed off. That's wasted marketing to me. Yeah.
0: And, yep. And we know you're all about the marketing.
1: <laughs> I, I am all about the marketing. My my background. I have a, a a degree in business, but I spent a number of years in in marketing a software company. So my focus has always been how do you blend together the technology side of things and the marketing side of things in a good way? Not, not a bad way, not the evil empire way. I've seen many people do it wrong. I've been part of organizations where I didn't agree with how they uh, took care of their communities. And one of the great things about having your own community is you can do it the way you want to, and nobody else can complain about that. Ah,
0: yes. Yes. Well, uh, just to, when, when we first started out here, uh, I had one show, The Tightwad Tech, and the website was com, and that made mm-hmm. sense. It was a, a website for the show. Um, then we started adding shows, and the second show was Everyday Linux. So you had to go to com to get to Everyday Linux. And um, the, the there was already an Everyday Linux website. So that's why I couldn't brand that. I could have gone some... Uh, you know, uh, alternate route, you know, everydaylinux.info or something like that. Yeah. But, you know, I, I didn't want to do that. So it, it made more sense to me. We now have two shows. We actually created this company, Element OP Productions, to bring those things in with the understanding that there would be shows in the future. And now we're, you know, we're up to six, hopefully, uh, growing a- as we go. Um, but sometimes I think that I might be missing out on, um, some marketing potential there if i had a different website for each show but also i know that i'm getting uh, a lot of cross-pollination in fact i got an email just this week from a guy saying he came to the show uh because he'd heard about uh everyday linux from actually from uh door-to-door geek from from your network steve and and while he was there he found our health and fitness podcast called one meal one workout he was a lot of geeks uh, and you talk about there being some some overlap there a lot of geeks need to change their health and fitness practices so even though it doesn't seem like there is an overlap there there is a definite overlap i mean the fat geek is not a stereotype for no reason and so he found that and has gone back and listened to you know the last 30 or so episodes of that show so i'm seeing that the that there is some benefit there from having everything under one umbrella but i could also see the benefit of having things separated. I just think that it made more sense to me to have everything all in one place. But even if we do, you know, Muriel's quilting hour, some way down somewhere down the line. Oh, um, that
1: sounds nice. Yeah,
0: <laughs> while there certainly might not be any overlap at all there, it still seems to make sense to me to put that all under one corporate umbrella rather than having disparate websites. It seems to make it harder to communicate with people, uh, in it, my
1: opinion. Yeah, I run into the the whole tachyon particle effect, trying to predict what's going to happen in the future. And in when you're building your very first podcast, you're doing something for the first time, you you almost have to plan for how it's going to be, but then you need the plan B for right. something else. Because because the name of my company is Messer Studios. Well, I have a messerstudios.com. I think right now it just redirects over to Professor Messer. But of course, in my mind... I will have many, many different podcasts and different shows and different things that I will be providing to people across, as you mentioned, at Muriel's The Quilting Hour. So, I might have one of those or, or a bunch of different things and I might want a single landing page for all of those pieces. It just, is, at this point, has not worked out that way. But, but I know that I've got a plan for some eventuality that that might happen if the world was to turn on its axis.
0: Right. And you mentioned a... a- um uh, um mission statement you know something something every company has to have that every organization has to have that even if you don't you know go formalize it and write it up but but our sort of byline is uh entertaining intelligent podcasts for passionate people there are passionate people across all wa- walks of life i'm not going to turn down the passionate people who are into nascar just because i'm not right and if i have the opportunity to do a nascar show uh i will Even though it doesn't really fit with the tech shows that we have right now, right now podcasting is um, largely the domain of the geek because it's still fairly hard to do. You have to have some sort of device, you have to know what a what a uh, an RSS feed is and how to connect to it. That's getting simpler, but it's still the domain of the geek. I don't see that as being the future. So the idea was to build, you know, like an NBC Studios. They have stuff going from the documentaries to the Jerry Springer's of the world and everywhere in between. And uh, they have that all under one umbrella. So it seemed to me that that was the more future-proof way to go. But, you know, as Steve said, if we don't create a website, somebody else will. Somebody else will create a community for it. Um, And I'm, I'm actually okay with that, having a fan community out there outside of our own network community.
1: As long as you don't use the word synergy or actionable, you're fine.
0: Okay, good. Mark, I don't think I would put
2: Muriel's quilting hour. I mean... For me it would, it would definitely not fit. The way you have your site worded, you know, entertaining podcasts. Uh, for what was it,
0: what is it again? It entertaining intelligent podcast for passionate people.
2: Yeah, it would fit it would fit with that. But here's it, it would so going by that it would fit on your site. But here's the problem I see. Somebody comes to your site for quilting and you know, reads about a Linux show and a bunch of other tech shows. They I think it's going to confuse them. They might say, "Oh, those shows aren't for me or whatever." And they might still stay and, and watch the quilting show or listen to the quilting show. But here you're missing. I think you're missing out when you do that on advertising and promoting things to the quilting people because your site can only show and, and, and you can only provide and show and write articles for so many things on your site. And if you mix quilting articles or quilting ads and quilting announcements in with your tech stuff, I think it would just get too jumbled. And, um, I would I would if you had a quilting show, even with your site the way it is, I would create another site, put it on that, and then if, if you have come out with another show more related to quilting than tech, put it on the the Muriel's quilting site. That's just what I would do.
1: This is great. I'm looking forward to this quilting show, Mark.
0: <laughs> like, yeah, Muriel, when's that wherever out? you are, step up. Because <laughs> we have we have three <laughs> listeners right now. That'd be awesome. Um and one of the things that you you mentioned in the notes, uh, James, is, is SEO, search engine option optimization. Oh, SEO, being the magic, easy to find. And I I can certainly see that having a different website for each content area makes things easier to find. But I wonder, um, I wonder if the value of SEO is overrated. Uh, that's that that helps people find you. But once they find you, is it better to have them on their own site or to have them in the larger community?
1: Well, at that point, it doesn't matter. the The important part is getting the eyeballs on the site, having them view the information you have, uh, having quality content that they can can get something from, and being able to do something with that. My site has um, on Professor Messer. I have A plus. I have Security plus. I have Microsoft courses on there. Very different types of subject. Yes, they're IT and yes, they're certification. But that's where the differences end. The type of content is very different between all of those. And you need good search engine optimization. And, and for those people that are just sort of dabbling in the SEO world, I think I've tried pretty much every fly-by-night, try-me SEO course there happens to be just to see what the people are doing with it. And And um, the goal is so that you you get, when people type in something that that correlates to your website. That your website pops up in position number one, two, or three, right there at the top of Google. That's where the the good piece is in search engine optimization. And nobody knows how to tweak their site perfectly to do that for Google. Uh, it's, it's always changing. Google just changed things two weeks ago. Again, still that's constantly changing and constantly tweaking. So things you might do today can work for you, and they can work against you. And I think that. That, and let's just talk about Google because there is no other search engine that really matters in the big picture today than Google's I think their search engine robot that goes out and pulls all this information down and categorizes it is so good that you could have a website with a lot of information on quilting on butterflies and on security network security and I think each one of those if they were segmented out properly on your website, would be just as valuable to Google as anything else. I think there's probably some pieces in there that that probably could be tweaked by being on its own site, but not much. I think Google's got it down.
2: All right. Yeah. Uh, and I'll add that if you really understand what Google wants for their users, and that's for them to find the most relevant site to whatever the the user searches for, if you know that Google, that's what Google's looking for, um, that's all you need to know. You don't need to figure out the algorithm. Google wants people to land on pages that are most relevant to what they're typing. So if your site is like that, Google will like it. Now, the fun, the positive thing about having a podcast is it's like a blog. If you're doing a podcast every week, your site is constantly being updated, just like a blogger does. So that's great for Google. Google wants to see fresh things all the time. Podcasting is great uh, for search engine optimization. If you give it stuff that it likes, like, uh, show notes and text, like, so if you just post a podcast, Google's not going to listen to your podcast and go, Oh, this is about computers. So, um, one thing that'll help your SEO is to have good show notes and good titles for each of your shows. And that's something I neglect. I admit it because I'm lazy, but for the shows that have that of mine, they, they, they rank way better in SEO.
0: Yeah. What's, what's interesting is, uh, our show notes, on, on my network tend to be a a brief summary, you know, two hundred words or less of the uh, of the the t- content, and then links. Any links that we've done that actually looks really spammy to Google, right? Because it's right. just a list of links. But if it's a if it's a new show and all we've done is reference links, or if it's a a tip show and we've if we've referenced a lot of stuff. Um, there's really not much more I can do about that. And, and as you've mentioned, audio and video don't index. The, that will be awesome. One day when Google figures out how to, to properly index audio and video, all our troubles will be over. Right. Uh, but for now, short of transcribing your show, I, I don't know that there is a good way to get good SEO out of a, out of a single episode. Your, your links are okay, that.
2: Mark. I would do it. I would still put the links. I mean, Google will figure it out, and they have. I mean, I put tons of links in my show notes. And by the way, I don't write the show notes. I want to thank all my volunteers that do the show notes. They do an excellent,
1: awesome job. So thank you guys. But um, yeah, James, what were you going to say? I said Google's already figured out how to listen to your podcast and determine what you're talking about. They're doing this today. They do it uh, for every video I put on YouTube. They have an engine that goes through that and tries to figure out what you're saying. And, really? it, and it Really? And it's, it's terrible. A right, it, it's not bad, <laughs> but when you're talking about technical things, technical podcasts like we have, it tends to get tripped up on a number of the more complicated words. But that's okay because it catches a lot of the other words and in many cases gets a lot of them right. And that's what I need for that juice. Now, for most of us doing... Doing traditional podcasting where the podcast is not put on YouTube, we're putting it somewhere else for people to download via iTunes or some other reader, um, that doesn't help us very much. But the technology is there and they're working on it and they're getting there. And for my videos that are on YouTube, which is the, the vast majority of what I do is YouTube videos, um, they're already doing some level of indexing on it. And of course, they give you a way that if you wanted to do transcripts, you could do that as well. Cool.
0: And another thing that that sort of stands in the way is right now there is no good way to directly present an MP3 file. You have to wrap it in Flash or wrap it in HTML5 or something else. So there's another layer of opacity between the listener and the content. You know, you come to my website and you have the description there, but you have to click a Flash Player button to actually listen to it. Whereas... If you're jacked into the RSS stream, you get that, but that's on a different section of the site or a different site altogether if you're using some other service like Libsyn or Blueberry or something like that. So it, um, it's it's difficult for podcasters right now. Uh, can, it, can I also say one thing, though, Mark? It, all your problems are solved if you have a killer
2: show because people will talk about it and they'll link to you, and that's very highly regarded by Google. So even though... It, you know, it's, it's not the best time in the world to have Google index an audio or video file. Just have a killer show and all your problems are solved.
0: I, I agree with that. And Google will say that too. How do you rank high? Have good content.
2: Yeah. And have good people linking to you because that's right. how they know you're important.
0: Right. But I, I wouldn't even go searching
2: for people to link to you. I wouldn't go to sites and say, can you please link to me? Just have a killer show and they will link to you.
0: I have always been of the mindset that if you do one thing and do it really well, People will recognize it. Now, I hope that's true. <laughs> you know, I've sort of, I'm sort of uh, putting my stake in the ground on a real, a very old mindset. That's a, you know, an 1800s mindset rather than a 21st century mindset. And I'm hoping it works. Somebody recently asked me. Um, uh, I was at a, a group of. There were about uh, 500 uh, uh, tech directors across the the states in this one room, and I was given the opportunity to speak for a minute. And after I, I I was finished, somebody said, Why didn't you mention your podcast? Why didn't you tell people that was a great opportunity? And and I told them, and, and this is sort of my philosophy, if I have to tell you about my podcast, I'm not doing a good enough job. Other people should be telling you about my podcast. Because if it comes from me, it sounds like hollow marketing gibberish. It sounds like braggadocio. But if it comes from somebody else, it sounds like it's of value. So I I intentionally don't mention my work. Like if I'm if I'm doing something Uh, Like in this case, it was separate from my, it was my day job and not my night job. So I'm not going to do that because it just doesn't sit right with me. And I recognize that's a very old mindset and I may be, you know, doing myself a disservice in the process of it, but I think it's all about working harder and doing better and producing great stuff.
2: Well, if you didn't feel right about it because it was your day job and you didn't want to talk about podcasting, that's one thing, but I, I, I have to disagree with you a little bit. I think you should talk about your podcast because you got to start a little kindling. You have to have a spark. You got to you gotta get the word out there somewhere. If I just uh, did something at my house and did it better than anyone else in the world, but as soon as I walked out my door and never told anybody about it, nobody would know that it's great. So I think you do have to talk about it, and take opportunities to talk about it. And um, when you're talking to other people in a community that have to do relevant things to you, talk about your show and promote it that way. Um, you, you got to get the word out somehow. I mean, if your show is absolutely incredible and you t- only tell a couple people, then they might blow it up for you, and make it make it big. But you got it. You got to promote it somehow. I think. I
0: James, would. Talk do you about have a it.
1: comment on that? Um, I will tell people my podcast, my <laughs> website whenever I can, or I try to get the person who might be in- introducing me on something to say it, so I don't have to. Um, but I try to get in front of them, however I can. As long as it's just a simple mention, here's where you can find me kind of thing. I, I, when I, uh, to go back to something Steve said, um, when I first really started making these videos, um, the, the training videos specifically and putting them on the internet, obviously I didn't have an entire course available. I mean, that's, that's a lot of videos. That's tens of videos, 50, 60, in some cases over a hundred videos for a single course. Um, I, and I started with one and two and three and simply made them a little bit bigger. And I would visit other forums, other places where people were talking about training, and people might mention, what's the deal with this over here? Oh, but he only has 20 videos up right now. We don't know if he's ever going to have any more than that. And that gives me an opportunity to jump in and go, oh, we're planning some more, just keep watching. Or let me answer a question that you have about these particular videos that we have out there, they weren't even on my site. And even today, I will pop in to those forums. There's a handful that I like to go into. And if people are talking about it, I'll make comments that answer their question that might have nothing to do with what I'm doing over on my website. But I know that I'm providing more value. They'll see the name and they'll say, okay, he answered a question that I had based on what he had, the knowledge he had about something that I need to know about. All right. Yeah. That's a good way to do it.
0: Yeah, I'm just uncomfortable with self-promotion. And that's a personality trait. And um, fortunately, my business partner, Sean, has no issue with that (laughs) at all. (laughs) So he's in charge of the marketing, and I'm in charge of the doing stuff.
1: As long as it's done the right way. And we'll talk a little bit more about this in a bit. But you can't do it the wrong way.
0: Okay, so I just want to move on a little bit uh, to the... The ways in, that, in which that community um, interacts. And, and right now, I, I'm not a fan of forums, but I recognize that a forum is really the best tool right now that a community has to come together. You know, you've, you've got your Twitter and your Facebook and all that sort of stuff, but those tend to be restrictive in one way or another. I think a forum on your website is the best way to get people communicating with one another in a persistent way. Do do we have any agreements or disagreements on that?
1: Yes, I agree.
0: I don't know about the first
1: best James? way, but it's certainly a way. It, I I tend to think that it's never one thing; that it's always a combination of different things. But it has become something pretty valuable on my side. I would agree with that. See,
2: what happened to me was I would I would give out my email during the shows, and people would email me if they had any questions, and I promoted that. Once it got the emails got to be too much for me. That's when I knew I needed uh, something else. And the forums is uh, perfect for that, I think. And it's what a lot of other sites that I saw was using. I've joined those other forums and those sites. I knew how, how they worked and I thought it was a great idea. And it, it turned out to be a, a fantastic idea. People, people like to uh, talk to each other on forums and post things and post ideas and know that they're helping other people on it. So uh, I think it's a great platform for a community. It's excellent.
0: Yeah, and and what a forum gives you is it gives you um, synchronous and asynchronous contact. You can be there with somebody. You can have a a chat or a private message going. You can have the email notifications that can be sent to you. Uh, Any good forum will have that. So if you're an email person, you can often even reply that way. So it, it hits people where they live. And what I like about it is it's permanent. Once it's up there, it's up there. And somebody three years later who has the same question or the same comment can see that's there, and they can revive a dead thread, or or they can get the information. Whereas in the case of an email thread, or or certainly something like Twitter or Facebook, that's so ephemeral it comes and goes uh, before most people even know it's there, it's already gone. And Google likes it. I mean, it's content, and it makes you basically an authority
2: site in whatever your content is about. If you have a good strong forum,
0: and uh, you guys both use uh, PHPBB, uh, I, I asked that question in the show notes. Uh, tell me why you chose that software. Start with you, James. Because
1: it was free. Uh, <laughs> PHPBB, probably one of the more popular open source and freely available forum softwares out there. Very easy to get going. It's one that I'd used um, in a couple of previous jobs to build some forums, some online communities with those pieces and when I was planning to put together my website, I, as I mentioned, I wanted it to be more than just um, a website and more than just videos and more than just a forum. It, it was a combination of different things. And I have a piece of membership software that I use to tie all of these things together called A-member. And uh, it's at amember.com, if anyone would like to go look at it. And I, li- I like that software a lot. But one of the things that it does is, is it makes everything blend together seamlessly? A single sign-on that gets you access to post in the forum, to give you access to to products you may have purchased and have downloadable access to, to get you access to the books that you have that you have spent money on, and uh, and get you access to looking at things on the website. And I use WordPress as my as my website blogging type content management software. It integrates with that as well. So I know that everybody can sign in in one place, and PHP BB happened to be one of two or three different uh, forum softwares that would integrate with a member. And that's one of the challenges you have when you start integrating these things together is they've all got to talk, and there's these hooks that have to be built between those systems. And that one happened to have a hook. I happened to be comfortable with it. I knew its its limitations. I knew the things that it did really well. And we went with that. And looking back, I don't know if I'd make the same decision. I think it's been very, very good. Um, When you pay for software, though, um, there is value there if the software itself is one that really is built to do a certain thing. And if there's people standing behind it and doing development on it and doing production on it, then I don't have to worry so much about technical support. I don't have to worry about things breaking. I can do upgrades easily. There's value to that for me. Um, I might I might look a little a little deeper at it if I had to do it all over again. But coming at it from that uh, the mindset of not spending a lot of money and being comfortable with it, PHPBB worked really well.
0: All right, so Steve, why did you choose that software?
2: Well, first off, I, I got to check out a member. That sounds like a pretty cool thing, and I, I didn't know that linked up with uh, PHPBB. That's pretty cool. Um, the reason I used it, uh, is I did some internet searching for forums. Um, it was a popular one. I liked the fact that it was free. Um, it had a strong community around it. So I knew that there would be people adding things to it, making add-ons and plugins for it and that kind of thing. And I, and I could go into the forums of uh, the actual PHP BB forums themselves, which use PHP BB for their own forums. Anyway, um, and talk to people and get questions answered and stuff like that. Also, um, it's highly customizable. There's tons of themes you could pick for it. And I like the fact that I could uh, alter the code, put in themes, make it look the way I wanted, make it do what I wanted. And uh, I did. I, I've put banner ads in there where they shouldn't, like, there's there's no real way to get the banner ad in there except, except for altering the, the template of the code. So I've tweaked it um, a, a good deal, and I made it real customizable to my forum. So, And it's solid. It works great. Never had a problem with it.
0: And now when I look, uh, went to looking for software to uh, to do the site, uh, PHPB was definitely up there. It's at the top of all the lists, and it has, you know, it, it pretty much has every feature you could want. It's a, it's a great thing. But I decided to go with something integrated into my site, like uh, 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 James. You said you use mm-hmm. WordPress, Steve. I know you use Drupal. I used the advanced forum plugin into Drupal, uh, so it it, it fits. Very nicely into my site. You talked about theming and skinning. I don't have to do that. Whatever theme I do on the site is part of the 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 forum. Now it is um, a little clunkier in some areas than PHPBB, and certainly on the back end organization is a little mind bending uh, when you open up the uh, the the admin uh, panel. But once you once you get that, wrap your head around that. It has the the concept of of, of containers. And forums, and a, a, a forum can be in a container, and then you can have a, a sub forum of another forum inside another container. So it gets a little confusing, um, but uh, I, I, I really like the, the nested forum part of it. I like that feature that a lot of other things don't. Um, but so I use that, and it's got, again, pluses and minuses, but uh, it's the one that I've chosen to go with, and uh, I'm sort of living dangerously. It's still in in the Drupal 7 line, which I'm using right now. It's still considered beta. In the Drupal six line, it's mature, but I'm I'm still I'm running on Drupal seven and it's still in the the beta stages, but it's stable and it works and uh, I like the fact that the uh, the you know the plugins that I put in there for anti spam for example work across the site. It'll pick up a uh, a forum comment as well as a blog comment as well as uh, you know something uh, over here. So it wow. it, it works. It re- it it really is a centralized environment for that. So uh, that's the way I and I recommend Drupal. I know a lot of people don't like it. Uh, if you're willing to do the work on the back end, you can really make Drupal do whatever you want it to do. It can be anything. It is the it is the the utility workbench of the uh, the website world. And I've I've heard people criticize it because it's not a blogging platform per se. And no, it's certainly a lot harder to work with uh, on the back end than WordPress. WordPress is really clicky pointy press and forget. Drupal is not that. No. But uh, I like the fact I like the way it works. And so that's that's what I've gone with. And so uh, that's, that's, I just wanted to mention the, the, the software of it. You know, we're going to talk about how to use a form and we, you know, we've been talking about the importance of it. So I wanted to mention what we use and, and James and Steve have picked one thing and I've picked another. Once again, I'm the odd man out.
2: I like this though. I, I, I'm on your forums now. It's very cool how it go, the theme is right. Perfect. It's totally nested into your site. It matches everything um, and it looks, looks good. I mean, it's good functionality. And I love Sean's cowboy hat in this picture. He looks pretty happy. <laughs> Is that real? Yeah, that's
0: real. That was uh, his wedding day, actually.
2: That looks awesome.
0: Very cool. No, look, I, I didn't. I didn't even know Drupal had a forum like this, to be honest. And actually, it's one of the reasons I chose Drupal was because of its uh, uh, forum integration. That it is so tight. It is. It is just another module of the system. It's not a whole other add-on. And I like the fact that uh, you know, there's single. Uh, account you create an account here and that account goes across the whole site. Whereas if it was PHPB, there'd be a whole different user database. Yeah, good call. But then again, for the most part, all you really do with a site is is a forum. I got to thinking about that. So when you when you log into our Drupal, pretty much all that gets you is access to the forums. Now there's other options there, but but as we've been saying, the forum is sort of the, your your primary point of contact. So right. you know, I don't have an account on Podnuts.com, but I do have an account on the PodNuts forum. So I don't really need an account on your Drupal because right. I don't do anything there.
2: Nobody does except me. Right. But it gives you the ability. Of, if somebody else started a show, they could post their own shows and stuff, you know. Absolutely. On your on your network.
0: Yeah. And I could just give them a category and say this is where you do, and and it goes.
2: Can I put another plug-in for Drupal? Like you like you said, it is a first of all, it's a content management system. So if anybody's going to say it's not a good blogging it's not a it's not a blogging thing. It's a content management system, and uh, like you said, it is a great engine. It it is basically the frame of a car with a kick butt engine, and you put like the body and all the, front, the uh, interior and everything in it yourself. But it is a killer um, engine for it's very powerful and customizable.
0: Yeah, and uh, reteo in the chat room is is saying that he just moved to WordPress. Hey, I had everything on a WordPress. There's a migration tool that's awesome. It takes all your your blog posts and all your comments and everything and drops them right into the Drupal. Um, so you can migrate to that very easily.
2: I don't want to discourage people from podcasting on WordPress. It's it's a cinch and it's a really it's really good for podcasting. I have to admit. But yeah, I there, wanted to do like a an episode um like in the right hand common episode list and most recent episodes and I, I wanted to get a little crazy with mine. That's why I went to Drupal, but otherwise I'd stick with WordPress.
0: Right. And and I do the same thing on my site. It's it's dynamically generated. Once I put a site up there, the previous episodes is done, and uh, when you click on a category, certain columns fade away and certain columns appear, and that's all you you can't really do that effectively with WordPress. Right. Okay, so uh Let's move on to the next uh, thing, and that's the old standby of email. And I, I posted the question in the notes, does anybody still use email? And I know that uh, that uh, James has uh, uh, an email community, and I know that Steve has recently begun uh, building his email list. So I wanted to let those guys talk about uh, what they go there. And, and Steve's showing his cat on the stream, so let me make sure I get that.
2: <laughs> I mean, she, she likes laying up here and just sitting on top of my keyboard and stuff. I actually got a T-shirt that that one of my listeners recommended that it shows exactly what my cat does in little cartoon form. So I'll wear that one of these days. Yeah. Dogs um, have
0: masters, cats have slaves. No doubt. I'm not going to deny it. (laughs) So, uh, Steve, we'll start with you. Uh, talk about your experience with email and, and, uh, what you think the value it has as a a community building tool.
2: I think, well, I love, first of all, I love me some email. Email is my thing. If you want to communicate with me, send me an email. I, I, I look at my Gmail every day, every hour, every half hour, every 10 minutes, all the time. Um, it's my thing. And when I, not a lot of people do this these days, I don't think. But uh, on, on my shows, if I say you want to contact the show, I give them mail at podnuts.com. I give them an email address. And I do all of my um, listener interaction for reading stuff on the show with email and with Google voicemail. And um, I use it for work. I, I, it's my method of communication of choice. I don't know if I'm old. I don't know what the kids are using these days. But for me, it works. And I love it. So um, I'm a big, huge Gmail fan.
0: And do you have uh, a mailing list, uh, like a, 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 a newsletter-type service that you have set up? Yeah. S- silly me, again, um,
2: from the beginning, I should have started a, a list, a newsletter list. And I did not. So just recently, a couple months ago, I started what's called the PodNuts Hot List. And uh, it basically, it, it is... Uh, name and email address, and it's a list of people who are interested in receiving updates, newsletters, special deals, discounts. And I use a service called GetResponse, which I've been using for a couple other uh, products and things of mine, uh, GetResponse.com. And it works really well. I I really like the site and the interface, and it's a a great way to collect and build your list. You got to remember, you can't just build a list, have it in an Excel file, and then just bulk mail it out using Gmail. Google doesn't like that. They think you're spamming. So it's good to have a service like AWeber, GetResponse, if you're going to build a, a newsletter list and do it that way. I don't know what other companies people are using, but uh, I recommend using some type of company to do that.
0: Well, if you want to stick in the Google universe, you can create a Google group, which is can be used as just a regular email mailing list or can have a web component to it as well. And if you set up Ooh. a Google Apps for Domains, which is free for, I think, five users, maybe 10, uh, and that doesn't mean... 10 people can be on US that means 10 administrative accounts like in your case Steve you'd probably be one uh, but you can set up a domain like that it's your own domain podness.com professormesser.com uh, whatever there and uh, and it works really well or most of if you have a hosted website most of those will have some sort of um, thing built in like mailman or something like that and uh, and they're the ones who are sending the mail and and their server is doing it so it doesn't have to cost you anything and it doesn't have to be hard cool. So, James, what's your experience with email and, and
1: recommendations? All right, here we go, because now we've hit something that is is one of my next next to next to the April Fool's Day. This is this is a hot button with me. <laughs> um, the the corporate environments that are out there right now have done their darndest to mess up email for everybody, and, and so far, I'm happy to say that they have failed miserably. Thankfully, if you ever go out and you see. Um articles about emailing your community or emailing your customers. They always talk about the right time to email them, the right time of the day. Right. So is it between midnight, midnight? When should you send these emails out to have the most impact? And what day is the best day to send an email and have the most impact? I can't think of a more appropriate thing to read to help you explain how broken people are using email, how badly they are using email as a conduit to their customers. If you can only send an email at a certain time of the day, on a certain day of the week, and hope to get a response from your customers, you are doing it wrong. Stop doing it that way. What are you thinking? How, how bad are these emails? that you're sending out, that you have to somehow catch people when, I don't know, they've had a cup of coffee and they're feeling a little loopy and you hit them first thing in the morning or you catch them after their inbox has been cleared out or whatever nonsense I'm reading on these websites. It is ridiculous. The number one thing to remember when is number one, have an email list. I don't care who you are, get an email list. It is a phenomenal way to communicate with your end users. The second thing is, Email something to them that you would want to receive. If your only job in life is to send out emails that talk about your product, and then the next email talks more about your product, and the third email talks a little bit more about how great your product is, just go into another line of work. Go work outside, raise cows, go go into the country, go do something outside of the mm-hmm. internet. You aren't helping mm-hmm. anybody. You need to come up with a, an idea, a thought, Of giving people content that they can actually use. This this tiny little idea of actually communicating with people and giving them material that might actually help them is somehow immune, impossible, in some way overlooked by everybody in major corporate environments. I don't know why this is. Some of them get it, but most of them, unfortunately, do not. When I started putting together an email list, this was my problem, though what am I going to send to people? What do do people want? What's going to really help them? And I thought if I'm building a website that is supposed to help people get a certification, why don't every day I just send them a question? I send them a pop quiz and they have to read the pop quiz and answer the pop quiz. And if they get it right, they've learned something. If they get it wrong, they've learned something. So you can't lose on that one. And that's it. There's no pushing of product. There's no waiting for a certain time of the day and a certain day of the week to send this. I send them every day on my mailing list right now. Every day, I send almost 6,000 emails out every day. Every day. If you told somebody in one of those stuffy corporate environments that I sent out six thousand emails to every single person on my mailing list every day their head would explode they would tell you to stop that crazy spamming right now the crazy part is if you do it right what happens is that one day when your email doesn't go out at that normal time people are now sending you emails directly saying where's my email where's (laughs) where is it i need my email why have you not sent me my email today they will they will bother you to send them the content that's going to be valuable to them. That's the key with email is to know your audience, get the right kind of content, and provide it to them. Don't just be an ugly spammer, buy my product. You, you don't want to work that way. Give them something people will use, they'll come back to you, and they'll like your products, and they'll start buying your products, and they'll start listening to your podcasts because you've been able to help them all this time. Do you ever promote uh, any of your products in your emails, James? almost never have I done that. Um, I have a completely separate email list that is designed to be more of the traditional sign up for some tips every week. And every week I'll send a tip. This tip was brought to you by this training material. That's it. But it always has a tip at the very top. It always has real, not a real tip, not a tip like go buy a book. Thanks. That's, that's a great tip. We've all been right. on those mailing lists. This one has real content in it. And at the bottom, it says, I've got some great stuff. If you want to buy something, that's great. If you want to watch, watch some free videos, that's great too. Here's where they are. And those, that's probably a, a list that does about four or five different emails in it. And then the list is done. If you're on that list, you never hear from me again. And that's it.
0: And I wanted to mention that earlier. And, and we sort of forgot when we were talking about forums. When you set up a forum, it's important to seed content. Don't just put it up and say here it is y'all come. Um you know what you're talking about here is creating finding something of value and put it out there and seed the content so that there so, so nobody walks into a barren wasteland there's already some stuff there they can come onto. Um
2: I just put it up there and said y'all come. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, because it, it, but <laughs> sorry, Mark.
0: Never do that, on Steve. Never <laughs> ever do that.
2: <laughs> I like being argumentative today. Please, immediately. Maybe I won't, maybe I'll be not on the next show, guys. I'm sorry. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs>
1: it's um, nice working with you.
2: <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I think if you have a lot of people listening to your show and you tell them all that the forums are there, hopefully they'll all go there at the same time and meet up with each other and start talking. But if not, then yeah, Mark, that's a good idea
0: yeah I and mean that that presupposes that you already have a community built. you had a community built before you created a forum
2: just in the in the fact of listeners to the show right I got you
0: yeah, and you were talking about you know the reason you did it was the it got too big for you to, to email right. so you had already had something there right and you already right. had interactions
2: yeah that's why that's why it worked for me
0: so the important thing here is that you really do agree with me you just didn't know it.
2: Yeah, you're right. That probably happens every time. <laughs> How did that happen? Can I ask James another question? He's got me fascinated by his, his emailing list here. James, what is the purpose for your, your tip of the week? Um, is it just purely to educate or to promote your
1: site or what? What's the purpose when you send that out? What do you want to happen? Well, what I want to happen, it really was designed for people that stumble to my website. They have no idea who this crazy Professor Messer guy is or why any of this stuff is out there. And they've had some interest in in wanting to learn more about what's going on. So if they visit a certain page, they get a pop-up on that page that says, you know, I've got these tips I can send you. If you're with somebody who's studying for your certification, I've got these five things that can really help you. Sign up for the list. I'll send you one every couple of days, and you can, can learn a little bit more about how you can be ready before you walk in the door. Um, and, it, and it was a combination of, of a push-pull, scenario in in the in the marketing world you want to be able to provide somebody with something that's going to be valuable to them here's some information i'm going to push to you that's that is actually useful and then it also pulls them back to the site and says if you want to buy any of these products they are also here it's not a hard gotcha. sell but it's letting yeah. them know that there's something there
0: cool thanks just wanted to read a comment from the chat room there roteo says that if uh, a user thinks their forum post will appear on the show they won't be more likely to participate and I certainly agree with that. Everybody wants their 15 minutes of fame. In fact, the the Everyday Linux show we recorded just before this was entirely based on a forum post that somebody put up. So, um, you know, that's another thing. When you have a forum out there or any sort of community, they will feed you content. And that's a good thing. That's one less show I had to come up with because somebody else did it for me. All right. right.
2: You know, and I'm surprised because like, we have a voicemail for the show. If, and I, I say at the end of every show, if you want your voicemail played, you just call this number. We will play it. We play every voicemail. And uh, I'm surprised not more people call. I think a lot of people are shy out there. I think they are.
0: Yeah, it's almost yeah. a threat. If you call me, we will put it on the Yeah, end. it is almost a good point. How dare you. Uh, and James, you just added something quickly. You wanted to talk about the uh, concept of having a live chat on your site.
1: One of the coolest things I've added this year is a live chat to my site called Involve, E-N-V-O-L-V-E. There's a number of these types of services that are popping up. But you were just talking about people catching each other at the same time on the site. And this was something I added to my site, really just trying to find a way to talk back to people easier. It was one where I I put one up uh, originally called Whoopra. W-O-O-P-R-A, I think. And it was more yeah. of a, a web analytics combined with a one-way conversation I could have with people. They could say, oh, I'd like to chat with James. Click that button. I can chat with him. Or I can see people on the site and I can start a chat with them. Which um, is creepy. It's, it's kind of <laughs> creepy. Um, but,
2: <laughs> I but, but see I, you looking at my things. site.
1: What do you want? No, <laughs> go I, ahead, James. I, I, but it's true. You don't want to be like that that guy. Right. Uh, but I would go to Facebook and say, hey, I'm going to be on the website for the next hour taking your questions. And people would send me the questions. And I found I had 20 boxes up on my screen, all going back and forth and many people asking the same questions. So Woopro was not really the best solution for me. Then I found Involve, and it was one that's a traditional chat room, like the IRC chat that we have that's running right now. And it was one that just sits at the bottom of every page on your website. So no matter what you might be happen to be reading, or what video you happen to be watching, or what form post you happen to be looking at, you could simply see what other people are communicating and talking about and also put questions in there yourself. And uh, that way I can go in and just have daily conversations with the people on my site. And I don't have to, they they can do private conversations as well, but with everybody there, we can all ask questions in the open and everybody can see the answers.
0: That's a great idea. And I'm going to... First thing in the morning, I'm going to put up a bottom panel on my website that has the we- the the chat room in it. That's a great idea. So that wherever they are, it's always there. It never occurred to me. We have we from day one we've had the the link there. You click on that, you can go to the chat room. Most of the people who use our site use their own IRC clients. But what a great idea to just have a just a footer that always has the chat room open.
1: It's always I, there. I'm they with- can turn it off if they want to. You can mute it so you don't see it, and you can always do that. But it's it's just always available. I do what you do, Mark. I La- I call it a lounge at
2: slash lounge. And there's some people that have settled in there and they're, they're really great members of the community. But the people, you'll find the people in the lounge aren't the same people that are people in the forums are, and they're not the same people that are people that are using a, uh, something called team speak to chat with each other. Um, this involve looks awesome though. I think I might, I'm not going to say I'm going to get rid of the lounge because that might piss, piss
1: some people off, but, um, I'll definitely add this too. Is it free, James? They have a uh, free versions. They have some that cost a uh, very little per month five, ten dollars type things per month. It depends on, um, I think, the number of simultaneous communicators, the number of simultaneous chatters, something of that sort. I've gotten fantastic support from them. I can't can't uh, speak high enough of of what they're doing. They are they are a small company that's trying to do some big things, and they've they've. They, they pull people in because I'll start talking with someone who asks a question in the chat room and then all of a sudden I'll see someone else who will log into the chat who's probably been sitting there the whole time, but they see a conversation going on and they think, I have a question about that too, or I'd like to comment on something that just went by. And then we have three and four people now communicating back and forth. So it tends to, to blend everybody together because it's always at the bottom. Everybody gets to see it all the time.
0: I wonder if you can link an IRC room to that and have yeah.
1: not. You cannot, wow. there, there is not an IRC type connectivity there. It is its own entity. Um, it does not have any hooks into um, Jabber or IRC or any of those things. It is an involve and that's it. Neat.
0: Well, minus five points for siloing.
1: Well, that's, that's, that's your trade-off there. I, <laughs> I tried to find one that would be an integrated IRC at the bottom of the page. There might be one somewhere. I just have not found it yet. And if anybody knows, please let me know.
0: There's just not a lot of good ways to do it. Right. Uh, I mean, the the site, the the tool that we're using now is is okay, and there are other tools that are okay. Mm-hmm. There's just not a really good way to put IRC in a website.
1: This is what I found as well, but uh, Involve seems to have fit my niche for now. Works really nicely.
0: I, I know we have a lot of people, five or six, who you know have their IRC clients set to log in there as soon as they log into their computer. I, I'm yeah. one of them. If I'm at my computer, I'm in the chat room. Uh, and, uh, you know, like Eddie right now at the top of the chat room has been there for 11 months and said maybe four words ever. <laughs> he just logs in and, and there he is. Are you serious? Yeah.
2: Yeah. That's so awesome. E- Eddie, are you there? Talk to us.
0: <laughs> okay. I can assure you he's not there now. He's in Scotland and it's like four thirty in the morning or something. Yeah. There, so, uh, okay. So the next thing, uh, we're, we're running a little long here, but this is good stuff and I don't want to cut it off is, um, regardless of the, the mechanism that you choose to use, be it a forum or email or chat, whatever, what are some tips that you can do to build a good community? How, how, do, you, how do you foster that growth? Obviously, it's up to the community to grow itself to some degree, but uh, you know, uh, a garden has to grow itself too, but we can still water it and till it. So how do you maintain your community in the same way that you'd maintain your garden? Uh, Steve, we'll start with you.
2: I think one of the important things to do is listen to them. Uh, if you have forums, if you give out your email address and you provide ways that, that your community communicate, can communicate with you, and listen, uh, let them and read what they have to say and listen to what they say. Now, if I basically made decisions about my site based off of one person's comment or opinion, it wouldn't fly. But you start to get a general feel about what's needed and wanted by getting multiple emails or multiple communications on one subject, like you know, Steve, we'd really like if you put a chat room on the site. Or wish you had a chat room, and then you get another one. Chat room would be great. Bob. Okay, now you know you need a chat room. But if one guy says, you know, you should use this site that uh to to do this particular thing, and nobody else says anything about that ever, okay, maybe that's not what's wanted. So it's nice, nice to provide things that uh they're clamoring for, if possible. That's that's a nice way to help uh grow the community.
0: Uh, a couple other things, but I'll let you guys go. Yeah, so, the one guy who demands og Theora releases instead of MP3s, <laughs> right. you can safely ignore him.
2: Right, exactly.
0: All right, uh, Steve, what about you? I mean, wait, that was Steve. James?
1: Uh, from my perspective, to grow the community, and, and I said this earlier, it, it's not just one thing. We've talked about many different aspects of growing the community today, and we've not even had time to go into things Steve was talking about, like his great TeamSpeak setup that he has. Um, using some of these other tools, the emails and all of those pieces, those are important and you have to use all of them and blend them together and use them in a way that's not, um, not something that's always asking people for their time or their money or buy this product it's something can actually help them with what they're doing so you really can't take shortcuts there and you really can't invest everything in one piece Uh, we were talking about email but i'm also on facebook answering questions there i'm also on twitter responding to people on twitter when they ask uh, my kids they don't know email what email you have to sit there and wait for somebody to respond i'll just stick it on twitter we'll do it that way Um, You have to use all those. So don't take shortcuts with those pieces. And one thing that I found useful, uh, and I want to do more of these, is taking what we do online and turning it into a live event. When I was in the UK for a meeting, I said, you know, I'm going to be at this pub on this night. If anybody's around, I'm, I'm drinking beer. So whether you come by or not, I'm still going to drink some beer. And people stopped by and they said, hello. And I got to hear their stories and talked about what they did outside of the Professor Messer realm of things and where they lived and the types of things they did for fun. And it was just a nice way to bring together a few other people that are in the community.
2: Awesome. Mark, can I make a quick comment about a PodNuts party we had, sure. real-life party? Um, that was one of the things people were clamoring for in my community. They want to have a PodNuts party. Everyone wants to meet together in a real-life space. And uh, we did. Um, a listener back in the day named Eric was gracious enough to uh, have it at his house, and he was in up north, North Jersey, I think. Um, and there was like 10 people there. That's the first time I met door to door geek live in person. It was, uh, it was real awesome. And nice. the ne- so then I've neglected to, uh, meet the demands of that. And we haven't had a Podnuts party in a long time, but I want to announce the next Podnuts meetup we're going to have at the Ohio Linux Fest. That's going to, that's going to be the platform for the Podnuts party. In fact, Ohio Linux Fest is basically part of the Podnuts party, not the other way around. So. We are we are like the main event there. You are co opting the Ohio Linux yeah. Fest. Nice. <laughs> no, but if anybody wants to meet up, uh Ohio Linux Fest this year is where we're gonna do it.
0: So you're gonna trek all the way up from Florida to Ohio, huh?
2: I heard I heard that uh, that fest is so much fun that I real and from people in my community, I can't miss it. I, I can't uh, see myself missing it. So yeah. All right, cool. Uh, you're all invited. <laughs>
0: One of the things that I wanted to say in terms of my ideas for uh, community is participate often. Um, don't, you know, don't just let your community run without you. It's important that they feel that you, as the figurehead of the community, are there, uh, at least at the very least, monitoring it, you know, and reply here and there. But, but, uh, you know, that goes back to what I was talking about earlier with seeding content. Um, I try to, uh, as much as I can, reply to a forum post as soon as I read it, you know, and it may be there for, you know, a day or two before I get around to it. I try to check it at the beginning of every day and the end of every day. But as soon as I read it, I, re- I write something. Even if it's, um, that's a good one, I'll get back to you. I want them to know that I did read it. Um, and, and the next thing is be personal and not corporate. You don't want auto replies in your mail. You don't want uh, standard responses. Even if it's the same thing over and over, even if you have a frequently asked Uh, questions section and and you just would rather just point people to that. I say that's not necessarily a good idea. You want to be personal and you want to say, well, you know, that's a good question. It's been asked a few more times. Uh, We have that often. And in fact, it got asked so often that I put this post up and link to it there. That way it's you still investing your time in them and then pointing them to something uh, instead of, you know, hey, idiot, read the fact, Uh which, you know, I've seen a lot. So Great tip. those were my two tips. And I think being personal is important because um whether you know it or not, if you host a podcast, there's somebody out there who thinks you're a celebrity and it's a little uh hard to wrap your head around that sometimes. Cause you know, I'm, I'm in a room in a garage I built myself. Steve's in his like dining room or whatever. It's hard to think of ourselves as celebrities, but there's somebody out there who thinks that. And, and so you want to treat them like you would hope that, you know, Tom Cruise treats you. If you bumped into him on the streets, you want to be, personable and be nice and and um having a corporate air uh i think is a bad idea very
2: very very good tip i totally agree i answer every email i get if i don't answer email it's because it slipped through the crack somehow it wasn't on purpose and uh, i do exactly what you said and it's a great tip mark
0: yeah and i also do the same thing on twitter i follow the twitter uh, feed closely and i try to respond to them as soon as I can. That's, that's, I consider that part of my job is to, to respond. You have any comment on that, James?
1: I, I think it's one of those things that, that again, the corporate world hasn't quite figured out that there is a, uh, an internet that can connect people and we will not connect with you. We will still be this unseen group of people that has no face and please buy our product from us. It, it, people buy things from people they trust, from organizations, or if you know somebody, you're, you'd be more apt to buy something from them. Why certain people who build communities, they are, they are the community managers, and yet all I see is their name on a website. There's not a picture. I don't know about them. When the emails go out, it's not from them. It's from info at largecorporateentity.com. Uh, I I get no feeling for there being any human beings at that particular organization. And all it takes is just a little shift, just a tiny little change to make that type of thing happen. Yes,
0: Very good. Uh, And then the last thing that we could probably spend an entire show on, and I'm not going to do that, but I just wanted to put this out there. You have to be careful that you moderate without alienating that you're going to get somebody who's overzealous or overly opinionated. Imagine that, geeks being overly opinionated. I don't think that's uh, true, Mark. It's going to happen once in a while that you get somebody <laughs> who either intentionally or unintentionally, you know, they're either an intentional troll or an unintentional troll, but they end up being the guy under the bridge who wants to eat your lunch. Um, and you have to find a way to to moderate those people To to, ideally, you want to turn them into, your community members and make them a productive part and find a way. And it takes a lot of time and investment. It's easier to wield the band hammer, but it's not necessarily more effective. And uh, again, we, uh, we could talk about how to do that for a long time, but I, just when you're interacting with people, keep that in mind that you want to, you want to moderate, not alienate.
1: It's hard to do. You've, you've got to have uh you got to have some different kind of skills for that one. Don't you? You do. Yeah.
2: And you got you have to recognize people's intentions. If somebody's purposely on your site to troll and cause trouble, then kick them, ban them, whatever you need to do. But if somebody is has is well intentioned but has like a, maybe a strange way of stating their ideas,
1: recognize that for what it is. And um, like Mark said, they'll probably fit into your community somehow. It's one of those things. There's um we were talking earlier about getting a a bulletin board software that worked for you. One of the features I saw of some that I had the option to get somewhere you could turn on a troll feature that if you thought somebody was a troll you could effectively make him invisible to everybody else on the board but they would still see themselves as if it was a normal day <laughs> right. so they could talk and complain and rabble rouse and be That's the OJan awesome. provocateur as much as they would like and nobody would know that they were there
0: yeah i was using a system once i called that bozo mode you, you nice. plus b they're now a bozo and they can rant all they want, but nobody sees it with them. <laughs> yep. That's great. Uh, well, that was a lot and it was, you know, nearly an hour and a half of stuff and we probably only scratched the surface at that. So uh, we, maybe we'll come back and have a round two of that. You guys taught me a lot. Uh, you've both uh, uh, done more about this than I have, and I appreciate your input there. Uh, I learned a lot as well. Yeah. That's, that's what I like about this show is we teach each other. Yeah. Um, and so I, we'll move on now to the the wrap up part of the show and to the the lesson that you learned this week. And uh, I'll start this. Way. I don't think I've started yet. Um, and and that's learn. Look for alternate ways to do things. That's sort of what you know. The the Taiwad tech, our flagship show. That's what it's all about. Is looking for creative and alternative ways to do things. I am sitting here surrounded by mattress pads. Okay, but they did the job and they were inexpensive. Uh, so look for different ways of doing things because you're going to find a solution out there somewhere that's not necessarily the corporate way to, to go about it, uh, or the 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 standard way to go about it. And sometimes you look at it a little, little foolish, but personally, I'm okay with that. It makes you original, right? And you can save a buck. <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, it, it often comes down to sometimes you can get a better. Uh, function out of doing something, you know, but but just look for ways. Don't always assume that the standard way is the way. So that's my tip. Uh, James, what do you got for us this week?
1: I pulled something off a backup this week and, and it uh, reminded me that the world backup day was uh, yesterday on the 31st of March. And really every day should be your world backup day. You should have always have a way to have everything backed up. It's so easy these days to have that done, especially if you're creating content. And usually when you create content like podcasts, whether they're audio or video, you have a lot bigger files than most people normally have when all they're doing is creating spreadsheets and word processing documents. So having a good backup, I went out and got another couple of, of two terabyte hard drives to, to come in so I could have another set of backups. For what, about a hundred bucks each, right? they they're about $114 yeah. each correct 50 bucks uh, a terabyte isn't that great? those have those have come down quite a bit since the flood in uh, Thailand now the 3 terabytes are still high they've not quite come all the way down yet they're now up, still up to about the $300 but um a good price for that that 2 terabyte drives a sweet spot right now why not take advantage of it absolutely good one
0: steve what's the lesson you learned this week i learned a lesson this week
2: you guys might know about. <laughs> um, every once in a while I get into a pattern where I don't think to I don't think I need to write anything down like for appointments or use a calendar and I say I would just say to myself, I'll just remember that. I'll just remember that. How could I forget? How could I possibly forget about that? And um one hundred percent of the time that has come back and uh, bit me in the butt. <laughs> so <laughs> I highly recommend um if you have appointments and you and you know you're planning things Have a good calendar app or some way you can track and make sure it has a little alarm to go off like 10 minutes or half an hour before the event occurs. And, uh, keep, cover your butt, you know, because when you, when you tell somebody you're going to do something and you don't, that lowers your value to the group and to, to whoever you're, you've made the appointment with. It's really a bad thing to do. So I'm, I'm a big fan of, um, doing what you say you're going to do and being where you're supposed to be on time. So use a good app calendar yeah after.
0: steve i think you've uh said before on record that if somebody doesn't show up for the show that's it you're done with them that's, that's <laughs> i know i said that i was hoping that you wouldn't hear it remember that it's one strike and you're out right
1: <laughs> damn mark you got a good memory notice he had you go all the way through the podcast before he said that
0: <laughs> <laughs> i have
2: no response i'm so embarrassed <laughs>
0: All right, and with that little bit of humiliation, I will say thanks for being on the show, guys, and uh, we'll just go through and uh, start with you, James. Tell us where people can find you and your great stuff.
1: Well, I've only said it 20 times in this podcast already. ProfessorMesser.com is where we have most of our videos, and if you'd like to be uh, one of the ones of people that listen to our weekly podcast at What A Week, you can find it at WhatAWeekPodcast.com.
0: And Steve, how about you?
1: If you want to learn more
2: about podcasting, if you enjoy the content in this show, I know you're going to like um, a product I created called How to Podcast at HowToPodcast.biz. It's ten hours of video instruction on everything I have done and do as far as podcasting. And uh, again, check it out HowToPodcast.biz. I think you'll enjoy it.
0: All right, and for right now, ElementOpie.com is where you can find me. Coming soon the podcast handbook a complete guide to newbies podcasting can be found at podcastnoob.com. it's not there yet but it will be soon so uh, i just uh, i hope you bought that domain i did i already did that's good and i bought all the various spellings of it i could think of as well (laughs) n-u-b-e yeah i got n-u-b-e-n-o-o-b-n-e-w-b nice i got them all so um Anyway, that's the audiobook that I've mentioned before that I'm working on. It's just simply called The Podcast Handbook. But for now, go to elmanopi.com, uh, check out our other sites, and that Quilting with Muriel is right around the corner. Excellent. And so for now, I'm going to say that ends this episode of The Art of Podcasting.